In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we have heard St. Paul tell us to avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. These words appear very harsh to our ears. It's so easy to simply say, are we even allowed (laughs) to say these words about certain things? But it's even easier to join ourselves to controversy, to take a side, to argue in a political debate about the last thing in the news cycle, perhaps, and saying to ourselves that that man knows nothing. What we really need to do is whatever your opinion is. Or we are caught up in mere human traditions, which are not centered on love, but are traditions created to exclude others from taking part. We say we can't do it this way or that way. You aren't the person to be able to do that. And we go about our day just excluding. We give others no time of day. Or we become distracted in the endless cycle of entertainment, thinking that who we are is the music we listen to, or the shows we watch, or the sports teams we follow. And we find our identity in these things, and then take offense, feeling as though our very selves are violated by others and the disagreements they have with us. We each want to be at peace and see a plentiful world all around us, a world that is full of fruits, ready to pluck from trees. We want to live in paradise. But we are mistaken if we think that TV, games on our phones, talks about our favorite sports teams, gossip about the neighbors, or the knowledge of the latest, biggest news event, are these ripe fruits ready to eat. These things may make you feel like you're on top of it all, and you may feel satisfied by these for a time. It's an easy thing. You get some benefit without the work. The pleasure of a simple social interaction, even if it is pleasant and not a contention. But I know when I focus on these things, it is obviously not a good fruit. It doesn't last. It gives no lasting peace or real satisfaction. I end up constantly going from one little bit to the next and only get little and shallow temporary rewards. Each one of these is actually a distraction. Perhaps you two are caught in a distraction cycle. It just keeps going and simply feeds the passion. I receive no spiritual nutrients from these distractions as well. They, bring, they don't bring what my soul needs and I'm not at peace. How often do I scatter my attention and my very soul by entering into these distractions? What do I need to do once I have this current obsessive distraction? What do I do? I push away those around me and look at for yet another thing or some conversation to take up all my attention so I no longer have to think about how it's a distraction, but I can immerse myself in it. And St. Paul is so correct when he says this is unprofitable and futile. It is like an alluring fast food meal. So what is the way out? For me, it began, and I continue to attempt this beginning with a piece of wisdom about a hamburger from a wise man, a wise friend, who said to me, if you can't deny yourself a hamburger, what can you deny yourself? He said this to me to teach me that there was actually a spiritual value to fasting. There is something to gain from denying yourself something. It seems like a paradox. There is value in giving up something for Christ. 
whether of food or an amount of entertainment or even the pursuit of knowledge. When I can give up what is distracting me from Christ, when I give up what are these, in the end, empty things, I am freed up to become aware of Christ and what he is doing in the world and turn to him. He is present there with me even when I don't realize it. How do we know he's present there always? Jesus tells us the parable of the sower who has a bag of seeds. And this farmer walks, and as he scatters a handful of seeds, he does so all over his land. However, this sower pays no attention to the quality of the soil of which he's throwing the seeds on. Have you noticed this? He walks through rocks and he tosses out handfuls of seeds. He throws them out to the right, throws them to the left. He walks through thorny bushes, tossing out handfuls of seeds. He throws them to the left, he throws them to the right. He crosses a roadway, and even here in the roadway, he tosses out handfuls of seeds to the left and to the right. And occasionally, he walks there, where he walks there is good soil. And here too, he tosses out handfuls of seeds to the left and to the right. Most farmers carefully choose the portion of land and prepare it before they plant seeds and they wait for the proper season even to do so. But this farmer acts completely different from any other farmer. Some would call his way of planting a crop irresponsible. They might say, why doesn't he just plant seeds in the good soil? Why doesn't he fix the bad areas first? He is wasting his seeds. This is what we need to pay attention to in the parable. This sower is not paying attention to where the seeds land. To be sure, this is a parable that Christ partially interprets for us. He tells us that each soil is the character of a person's soul. The seeds are the word of God. And in addition, the fathers add that the sower we hear about today is the God-man himself, Jesus Christ. So it's Jesus Christ who is this irresponsible farmer, if you will. Let us go a step further together. Those seeds that Jesus Christ scatters everywhere are God's teaching about living, gener- about living righteously. The words about the gospel of the kingdom, they are, the, words of God's very, they are very, the word of God's very own eternal words sown into creation. They are the laws of creation. They are the commandments and prophetic words given to the Israelites. They are especially the gospel of grace preached by Christ and his apostles. The seeds are everywhere, tossed and sown into everything. Christ came and gave these loving words to all of us. He gave it to all without holding anything against anyone. He, He made no distinction between rich and poor, wise and unwise, slothful and diligent, brave or cowardly. Rather, he gave to everyone. This is what St. John Chrysostom tells us when he looks at this scripture. In short, the seeds we hear about in the parable are the grace of God that are presently being flung out into the world and planted in every tiny corner of creation and throughout all of history. God does this so that all people can respond to him no matter the season of life or the conditions of the soil of their soul. We often think of which category I am, am I in when we read this parable. But really, brothers and sisters, we are every one of those categories. Some portion of our soul is rocky, some portion is thorny, and some parts are beaten down and trampled. But the divine sower never stops giving his providential love to us. 
in your home, in your parish, family, throughout your daily life, he is always there scattering his life-giving words from his endless supply. This is why he is not actually irresponsible, because the supply of his word, he is the inexhaustible one, and so are his seeds sown into the world. So begin to seek and see God's love by paying attention, by setting aside time to pray and thank him for this, for his creation. Go for a walk along the shore here or into the beautiful canyons that we have just behind us or a park and do so with the wonderful things God created for you. Pay attention to those. Contemplate creation. Read the laws and wisdom of the Old Testament. Hear and read the prophecies written there and respond to the gospel proclamation. Begin to listen to your conscience and you will see, start to see God's loving work throughout the world. Give up the little distractions and take up some of these things. When you come to your senses and take stock of your soul, you can see where you have ignored our providential God and repent. The fathers, especially Gregory Palmas and St. John Chrysostom, speak of being able to water those seeds with the tears of your repentance. So water those seeds of Christ that Christ has planted in your souls. Wherever that portion of your soul is, there is a portion of God there, his grace there. And those seedlings begin to grow by the tears of your repentance. And they, the more fervor you have in that repentance, the more water you're pouring on them, and the more they are able to grow. And as your trust grows in God, his loving care grows as well. Acting in these ways, you're cultivating the seeds of God that he sows all the time. Perhaps now some peace can begin to take root among the rocks, the thorns, and the trampled places of your heart. Here we have all those places which are not truly good soil, places where the seeds of grace cannot fully take root, or maybe they do for a time, but they do not last. However, once you accept his love into your heart, into your soul, all you need to do is ask him to cultivate that soil of your inner being. Those seeds germinate and sprout forth into saplings in the good soil that is being prepared there. As you trust in him, it grows. Speak with God and ask him to cultivate that good soil in you and expand its borders. Pray, Lord, turn up the hard, heart, hard earth of my heart. Remove the rocks you find there. Uproot the brambles, trying to choke out the new growth. You will keep cultivating the soil of your soul as long as you turn to him and asking him to transform it into an orchard. The roadsides of your soul will turn into greenways. The rocks will move aside and the thorny bushes will not be able to compete with the seeds of grace. He will see, you will see that his love does not cause us to search for the next thing, and it use you up as those things do. Your soul will no longer be ravenously hunting for the next meal or longing for that next hamburger, as my friend so reminded me. Rather, the grace and love of God will make you stop and look at where you are. Who am I and what is God doing with me? You will begin to notice his love and providence everywhere, and your peace will increase, knowing that he is the constant caring farmer that scatters these seeds all over his created world and into your very heart. His constant love and care for you, this is what the parable means. In whichever way you are convicted today, repent. Begin mourning for your sins and watering the seeds that Christ is planting. Eventually, all that unsuitable soil will become a place of plenty and a place of repose, a garden 
that God dwells in. May these seeds grow into a strong and diverse orchard. Christ and his church want this for you. May you see that those opportunities and turn to him who gives rest and deepen the roots of the seedlings which he is spreading and giving to you today. Amen.